Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has a chance to. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. And I'm Tanner and I use they, them pronouns. And right off the bat, I'm going to make sure we both have our elbows off the table because I'm sure I was just as guilty as you were last week. (laughs) So, Tanner, do you want to know what we're rebooting today? Uh, No, I'm actually leaving now. (laughs) No, yes, tell me. (laughs) Okay, so... There's this obscure duology of YA books from way, 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 way back in, like, the dawn of the 2000s called The World of Anwen, which was divided into The Hidden World and The Walls of Woden by Alison Baird. Uh, Super Canadian books, also full of Celtic mythology, and I think I'm the only one who's ever read these books. I feel like I've heard of one of them. But yeah, that's that's several layers of obscurity deep. Just first yeah. off, first off the hop, a duology. You never see duologies in YA. It's yeah. always trilogies or 17 books. Yeah, heaven forbid you can fit your story into two books. Yee. Oh, God. How are we supposed to get a deal with Hollywood? Well, see, what you do is you take a little bit from the end of the first book and you combine it with a little bit from the beginning of the second book and that's how you turn it into the trilogy. Yay! Or you just expand both books into full trilogies, and then in order to pad it out, you add subplots about, like, a completely non-related side character, and then you invent a new character for the female audiences to relate to. Are you talking about The Hobbit? What? No, I gave (laughs) you that idea. I never even saw The Hobbit. What's The Hobbit? What's a paladin? Oh, Wow, those are some obscure references right there. (laughs) Anyway, the premise of these two books was that you have your main female protagonist who is living in Newfoundland for various reasons and has visions and gets transported to the world of Anwen, specifically the island of Avalon, which just so happens to be their version of Newfoundland because conveniently the peninsula that St. John's is on it's called the Avalon Peninsula. It starts off with Maeve and the other protagonist, Jean, getting used to the world, and then there's a bit of a quest to find various artifacts that are found in Celtic mythology to stop Big Bad. So the first book is about Maeve O'Connor, and her thing is to find the four treasures uh, of Irish mythology. So that's like the spear, the stone, the cauldron, and... Fuck, what was the other thing? Oh, uh, let's see. We got a rock, a stick, a bowl. There's probably a... No, there's probably not a sword. Is there a bow? Let me check. Is there because... a boot? <laughs> uh, Is it the Blarney Stone? No, the Stone of Fall. Uh, it would cry out beneath the king who took the sovereignty of Ireland. It was supposed to be located near the Hill of Terra in County Meath. The Spear of Lough. No battle was ever sustained against it. Or against the man who welded it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's spelled L-U-G-H, so, yeah. Uh, the... I won't even attempt to say that name. Oh boy, let me try. <laughs> Cliff. <laughs> it's probably what it is. I'm, I'm pretty sure O-N-I-H in Gaelic is a f- sound. <laughs> it's spelled, uh... C-L-A-I-O-M-H-M-H-S-O-L-A-I-S. It's a sword. 
It belonged to Nuada. Again, we will be butchering a lot of names. It's the Vorpal Sword. <laughs> no one ever escaped it once it was drawn from its sheath, and no one could resist it. The sword was also described in the Tain legend as Nuada's Kaino, China, I guess, a glowing bright torch. And then there was the Cauldron of Dagda. Uh, no company ever went away from it unsatisfied. It was always full of food. It was a fucking okay. cornucopia. Well, and the sword, you said no one could resist it. Sounds like it's a real sexy sword. <laughs> also, the the other aspect, no one could escape it. It sounds like this is a sword purely for throwing. <laughs> Even though you're not supposed to throw a sword. But this is a magic sword. You just whip it at him. It's like, it's like a boomerang. It goes around corners. <laughs> it's like Captain America's shield. <laughs> you just ricochet it. Yeah! So, anyway, that was uh, Maeve's thing. Um, her The next protagonist was Jean, and um, she's in the book uh, Wolves of Woden, not Wolves of Wall Street. <laughs> Woden as in Germanic? Yeah, or more specifically the Anglo-Saxon version of Odin. Okay. Yeah. I got opinions about Woden, because I'm an avid fan of Wicked and Divine. Oh! He's an asshole. I think he was always an asshole. He's an especially... He doubles up on the assholery. Oh, even more so than in American Gods? Yes. Wow. Actually, I think his assholery is a universal constant within the world, within the mythology of Wickative. Okay. That makes sense. Given how Woden treat, ended up treating uh, Ishtar, right? During the... When there were all the romantic poets. Um, or was it Inanna? Inanna, yeah. Yeah. Well, Woden was based off of Mary... Mary Shelley. Yes. And Inanna was supposed to be, I think, Claire Claridge? Her... Her sister, yeah. Stepsister. Stepsister. And then um, the Morrigan was Percy by Shelley... Beige. Beige. Beige? Beige. Percy bitch Shelley. Yeah, he was a bitch. <laughs> um, and then Lucifer was what's-his-face with the house... Lord Byron? Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> he was known as mad, bad, and dangerous to know. And his clubfoot was reinterpreted as a cloven goat hoof. Nice. Yeah, weren't the Bronte sisters like a hive mind? Yeah, they were like, I think, all three faces of Hecate. Okay. And Jane Austen was Hestia, right? I think so. But, like, it wasn't the actual people. It was just inspired by. Just yeah. like how the in the modern era of the series, they're inspired by people like Prince and David Bowie and Rihanna. Yeah. Okay. It's just I like the one for one and what they were thinking with those combos. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, and then there was also one in Rome where the, um, Lucifer was basically Caligula. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> if, if, don't read that on a, um, don't read that if you have a nervous stomach. Oh! He oh. goes off. So it's like Caligula the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but not as fun. Oh. There's no orgy boat. <laughs> oh. Okay. Anyways, we're not even ten minutes and we're already off track. <laughs> Tell you about the Irish. <laughs> All right, the Irish. So um, what I want to do with the series is uh, turn it into an isekai anime Kind of get rid of the first book because honestly, the uh, the first book was kind of boring. Okay. 
Yeah, surprisingly. But we can, like, cherry-pick the good parts from the first yeah. book and put them into the setting of the second book. Yeah, like, the treasure, like, the four treasures, uh, Morgan Le Fay basically appears. Nice. Uh, they, you got the, uh, uh, oh, who were they called? The Fionnin, the warriors of Finn McCool. Okay. Yeah, uh, you also have a Fey world, and the Fey there are very, very creepy. <laughs> no, sorry, I'm just thinking, if I ever get... If I ever play Scion again, like as a uh, player and not a DM, yeah. I'm definitely going to be a Scion of Finn McCool named <laughs> Finn McCool. Because you can't top that name. No. And he's and he's going to be in a Neon Windbreaker and yeah. Chunky Shades. Yes. And they're going to be like, who are you? And like, I'm Finn McCool. Oh my god, you're going to be like, Steve. <laughs> and I'm going to have a, a skateboard named Epina. Yep. And then, I, and then it turns into a horse. But I still ride it like a skateboard. Yep. <laughs> so, anyway, the second book of the series is actually the prequel to the first book, The Hidden World, um, which focuses on Maeve's grandmother, Jean, who had similar powers to Maeve. And, oh, okay. Yeah, and cool. was living in Newfoundland during World War II, uh, back when Newfoundland was a colony of Britain. It had one... It had at one point been a dominion like Canada, but then World War One happened, and oh boy, did did poor Newfoundland get screwed over. Yeah. Yeah. So it went back to colony status, and then it actually did pretty well during World War Two because a lot of uh, shipping industry and all that. And then they decided, hey, let's just join up with Canada, and then the cod industry fell out, and uh, yeah, there's a, there's a big reason why a lot of Newfoundlanders are now in northern Alberta. Huh. Yeah. All right, then. Working in the oil fields. Hey, stop overfishing. Don't worry. There's been a moratorium on the cod industry since, like, 1990. Oh, good. Yeah. It's slowly recovering. Yay. Yeah. And actually, it was doing fine before the 70s, but then they introduced, like, this one version of fishing where they basically just scraped up the entire seabed. And Ooh. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. They realized they fucked up. Good. Yeah. That's why there's a moratorium. Hey, Canada at least realizes when we make huge mistakes. Yeah. We're, no, we're still working on how to, you know, fix them. But we're trying. That's the big word. We're trying. So I want to focus on Jean because Jean was actually the more interesting protagonist because of the stuff that she was going to. She was actually fairly enjoyable. The problem with Maeve is that Alison Baird went out of her way to write a very realistic teenager in early 2000s Canada and I think it was too good. She's unbearable. Unbearable theater kid. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. She's the girl who grows up and says Rent was the voice of my generation. Until she's like oh my god Rent was overrated. No I don't I think I think she's She's too deep. She's going to be too deep. <laughs> she, she will not suffer a fool who criticizes rent. <laughs> oh, no. Hey. <laughs> well, we're on the subject. <laughs> How about them cats? <laughs> cats is going to be the voice of our generation. <laughs> you do realize that Cats is being released the same day as the latest Star Wars movie. And it's going to blow it out of the water. <laughs> 
I'm gonna do a double showing. I'll, I, it's, I'm not choosing whether to see cats or stars. I'm trying to figure out which one to see first. What is the optimum viewing order? <laughs> so anyway. Jean is far more tolerable. Sounds like it. She is like Anne Elliot. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it also helps, like, okay, her siblings aren't as obnoxious as Elizabeth and Mary were in Persuasions. Please read Persuasions. It it actually is very good. It's definitely one of Jane Austen's best works. Yes. Sadly, she died soon after writing that. Yeah, but better than dying before she finished it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very sad that Lady Susan and the Watsons never got finished. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, any author from that era, like, hey, you're on borrowed time as soon as you hit puberty, basically. Yeah, look at the Brontes. <laughs> it was, oh boy. Anyway, yeah, Gina's basically the Anne Elliot in that she's the reliable one of her family. Her younger sister, Fiona, is, you know, very pretty. She's kind of flighty. She gets all the attention. Her older brother is going through a bit of a rebellious streak and is like, I'm going to join the RN and do my bit. And everybody else like is like- Like the Constabulatory? Royal Navy. Oh, okay. Yeah. And everybody's like, but you're gonna die! <laughs> and he's like, but war! Gotta escort the convoys across to Bren to make sure that the fight can continue. And they're like, okay. Still sweating bullets. <laughs> Be safe. And then Gina's like, okay, I'll take care of everybody. Thanks. I go completely unnoticed. <laughs> While also having weird visions that everybody just thinks are weird nightmares. Great. Yay! Yeah. I love a prophetic vision that no one believes. Yeah. <laughs> Though to be fair, I would be wigged out if someone did believe a, a prophetic dream I had right off the hop. Yeah. I had a vision of the future. The Cloverfield monster attacked while I was on a hot date, but then he was fought off by the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And base from Mega Man. <laughs> so, anyway, in the book, how the call to adventure happens is... Jean and her family go to visit some family friends, the O'Connors, further down the peninsula. They live in a very tiny little outport, and there's a forest nearby, and the kids want to go berry picking. So Jean and the older kids take the younger kids to the berry patch, but then a weird fog rolls in. She's like, hey, where'd everybody go? <laughs> this is getting a bit Silent Hill-ish. <laughs> and then the fog clears, and she starts wandering around. And then she finds people in medieval garb, like, riding along, and she's like, what the fuck? This is, like, my visions. And adventure starts. Like her vision of yeah. Escaflone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit like Escaflone. So my treatment for this is, as I said, isekai anime, because isekai anime needs an injection of estrogen, like, it, it's fucking dying. It needs to be more than just, how can I fuck or kill my way through this generic medieval Europe? Yeah, especially with absolutely nothing stopping me. Yeah. Like, I don't care how many times you argue on Reddit that, oh yeah, you can still make an overpowered main character interesting by thinking more strategically about using powers. He's still gonna fucking win. It takes all of the suspense out of the story. And also, yeah, so many fuckboys in that. Yeah. Oh, God. So when you say anime, like, do you mean an anime anime, or is, like, this coming out of Marathon? Um, ideally anime anime, but if 
we could go marathon, we can go marathon. Is there an episode where Martin Mystery lands there? Is there an episode where she meets Sam's ancestor? <laughs> Why not? There are worlds between worlds. Exactly. <laughs> so, anyway, we're keeping the 1940s Newfoundland setting, because that's neat. It would be an interesting thing to see what sort of character concept designs that you could get from that because, you know, the styles, the hair, the clothes, all that sort of stuff. Yes, I've been watching way too much vintage fashion YouTube recently, but it's high quality stuff. Basically, how Jean gets to uh, the other world stays the same. The story from there changes considerably because I was thinking like three to five season anime but in like that seasonal like you get 12 episodes yeah okay yeah so when she gets to the other world she encounters princess gwenlian who's uh one of the characters from the wolves of Woden. um i'm princess grenadine <laughs> sorry <laughs> i know but hey this is tame because welsh oh makes... i have the hidden world oh okay i found it at value value village <laughs> Uh, that's about the only places that you can get this book anymore. Uh, yeah, as I said, super obscure. Oh, great. I get to read all about Maeve the shitty teen. Yeah, okay. I might have been dissing on her a bit too hard. She probably wasn't as shitty as I thought she was, but yeah, she could be insufferable. Um, so Jean's going to meet Princess Gwenlian, who takes her to the druid Lelochen who has a pretty good idea that she's from the Shadow World, which is our world. Yeah, that makes sense. I'd well, call this the Shadow World. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is a purgatory, for sure. <laughs> Maybe the Gnostics weren't wrong. God. What, and we're just bad fan art? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it boils down to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot of Gnosticism goes over my head. I remember there was a guy who like had a big paintbrush. And he's like, I'm going to make my own world with blackjack and hookers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So any, anyway, like the whole like wandering into the other world is a big thing in Celtic mythology. It is the way to get someone to do something. God, I wish that were me. Yeah. I know, listen, I know that uh, nine out of ten times if I walk into a fair world, I'm going to, like, engage in some bad deals and lose all my fingers. <laughs> yeah, don't eat anything. But look, they have the, the limited edition Oreos all the time. No, don't. <laughs> You're going to be stuck there. And then when they allow you to come back, it's going to be 300 years from now. And when you get off the horse, you're going to turn into dust. Honestly, I don't mind. <laughs> Nothing you're saying sounds bad. I get to I get to eat this awesome buffet. They're, they'll probably like they're the buffet. They deal in modern stuff, so they're probably gonna give me like the new Xbox with the Viva Pinata Three. That's not that hasn't even been announced yet. The Xbox One Two, and I just get to sit in the supermarket and eat ice cream all day. And then they're like, okay, like, it's time for you to go home. Like, okay. And then I get to ride a horse and turn into dust. <laughs> this is the dream. Anyway, Jean is brought to the castle of Princess Gwenlian's mother, Queen Angharad. Ang this is where Lindsay fanfiction comes into play. Nice. <laughs> and also, They I fall in love. Yeah. Uh, 
Jean learns that she is in the world of Unwin, which is home to many lands, including the island of Avalon, where she is now. She learns that Avalon used to be a paradise ruled by nine sisters. This was a land of healing and plenty, where her people knew the secrets of creating many powerful objects. The land where Arthur was taken after the Battle of Hamlin. However, a darkness fell over the land. The Fomorians, a formidable people from the north, have invaded, led by their beautiful king, Elatha, who is searching for various artifacts to help him take full control over Avalon. The this season focuses on Jean and Gwenlian traveling to find these artifacts, making friends, and learning more about Onwen. Uh, there's encounters with fair folk, thrilling battles, and shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. It's a very loose sketch. Okay, tell me about the Fomorians, because I, I only know little bits about them. Okay, so according to Irish mythology, Ireland was kind of invaded and colonized a couple of times by different races of peoples. The Fomorians might be like the Irish equivalent to like the giants of Norse mythology. Okay. So the Fomorians are a supernatural race in Irish mythology. They're often portrayed as hostile and monstrous beings who come from the sea or underground. Later, they're portrayed as giants and sea raiders. They are the enemies of Ireland's first settlers and opponents to the Tuatha de Danann, the other supernatural race in Irish mythology. However, their relationship with the Tuatha de Danann is complex and some members intermarry and have children. The Fomorians have been linked to the Jotun of Norse mythology. Okay. Yeah. Um, they've also been described as gods of uh, destructive natural powers, like personifications of chaos, darkness, death, blight, and drought. And are any of them big rams? Uh, sometimes they get portrayed as having a goat's head, so you could translate that into big ram. Okay, yeah, because that's what they did for Shin Megami Tensei, which oh. is that's that was the first place I heard of them. Okay. And yeah, they're just they're just these big ram boys. Yeah, yeah. Big Rammy. Big Rammy. <laughs> so yeah, they're the bad guys. They do bad shit. They enslave people. Okay. Yeah. So there's no uh, hot redemption arc for the prince or the king, God, no. whoever he is. He's like Lucifer. Yeah, he's pretty, but he's... pretty stupid. <laughs> He uses his prettiness to seduce people to over to the dark side. He can't be evil. Look at that face. Yeah. It's a lot like that. And then, and then Jean, right, Jean? Yeah, Jean. Jean. Jean just like, listen, that might be a pretty face, but underneath his face, there's a skull. <laughs> now do that again in a Newfoundland accent. <laughs> hey, how do I get into Newfoundland accent? Uh, one, two, three... Uh, Alan Hawkle, Republic of Doyle. <laughs> Listen, he may look pretty, but underneath his pretty face is a skull. <laughs> Close enough, I guess. <laughs> so, when we do the English version, we have to get Newfoundland actors. Yeah. And Irish voice actors, too. And Russian voice actors. Why not? Just have a whole plethora of Gaelic world voice actors to do various... Voices. And then all the Fomorians are voiced by the English. <laughs> or Scandinavians, because they might have been Vikings. Oh, maybe. Or proto-Vikings, I guess. It would be interesting if actual Vikings, like or like Viking uh, figures, showed up in this. 
Yeah, because I was thinking... Because if the Vikings landed in Newfoundland in real life, yeah. then fantasy Vikings probably landed on Avalon in yeah. the fantasy world. So, Acer. Yeah. Or Vanier. Or Vanier, yeah. Um, there were also Chinese settlers in Canada before the um, Vikings, theoretically, right? There is so little proof, it might just be a hoax. Okay. Yeah, sadly. And the Chinese were never... Okay, Yes, their ships were fully capable of getting across the Pacific. Yes, there are currents that would have taken them to the Pacific very easily. The problem is the Chinese have never been very blue water focused or like oh, okay. Yeah, they've always been a land power. They've always been focused like internally and land-based power, basically. The whole treasure ship voyages of Zhenghe, part of that was to get trade going with other places in the Indian Ocean and the South Pacific, but it was also to extinguish a bunch of Chinese expatriate communities because oh. they wouldn't pay tribute to the emperor. Oh, great. Yeah. And then they stopped because uh, the Mongols invaded again. Okay. Yeah, like the Chinese have only started recently, as in the past few decades, actually building a blue water navy. Hmm. Yeah, if anybody's going to be a bit more adventurous i guess when it comes to contact with north america with pacific north america it's gonna be the polynesians again because they could do it yeah this is a moment but now we're on the wrong coast yeah now we're on the wrong coast and there isn't a lot of evidence that they did but again it's theoretically very possible yeah if we're also talking about that we should consider what we're gonna do about the uh, uh, first nations so what Alison Baird did in the first book was that the Beothic are in uh, Avalon, uh, near the center of Avalon, and they're like the last remnants of our world's version. Okay. Because they also went through the Vale. Okay. I guess the Vale is open to anyone. I'm just calling it the Vale. I don't remember what it was actually called, but again, you pass through a fog and suddenly you're in a different world. Yeah. Yeah. And for the most part, they've kept their culture, uh, language, customs, all that sort of stuff. I also think that time works differently. Okay. Yeah, because that's also another thing that you find with the other world is that time is time is warped and space is bendable. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, because I just, I don't want this to become uh, a little bit of a colonial thing. Yeah. Uh, I understand. Like, I like the American Gods thing where, like, there are... European and other deities existing in North America because they were brought over by the immigrants and refugees yeah. and all that kind of stuff, but they did not take the place of the local mythology yeah. and powers either. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm glad that this sounds like it doesn't. It's just like it's there because it was brought over, but yeah. they did not replace anything. Yeah. Okay. The first season I think is going to be the most Avalon heavy and kind of bring up the whole uh, Fisher King storyline where it's like something's gone wrong. We've got to fix it, and the land itself is reflecting this. And because this is Avalon, Arthur might be here. So I didn't really get that far in actually developing the plot, sadly, because, uh, as I said, real-life stuff happened. I totally wasn't being lazy and focusing on a different project. Good for you. <laughs> well, let's see. Arthur, I mean, the thing with Arthur and, uh, by extension, Excalibur is that... Uh, Excalibur or Arthur reappears in the time of England's greatest need. Yeah. But we could fudge that and say, well, no, it's Avalon's greatest need. Yeah. And then 
the the myth is always of they who wielded Excalibur before shall wield it again. Yeah. Which I'm 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 sure I've told you about this. I may have brought it on the podcast, maybe not. But in the show, the librarians they accomplished that with a time loop. Okay. Where one of the main characters he wielded Excalibur in like the early episodes of the show. And then they're like, well, how can he wield it if he's never wielded it before? Because it always says he was wielded the scout before, he'll wield it again. And, like, no exceptions. And then later on, he's stuck in the past, and he has to fight off Shakespeare, who's turned into Prospero. Okay. And he summons Excalibur from the lake. Yeah. And so then, in his timeline, he wielded it before. And then in the normal linear timeline... He's also wielded it before. <laughs> okay. Checks out. Um, so I was thinking, like, maybe part of the story is just trying to reawaken Arthur, if you will. Get him back to fighting shape, and part of that might be finding Excalibur. Because if I remember my Arthurian lore correctly, and the thing about Arthurian lore is that it changed a lot over time. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Christian D'Artois and your OC do not steal Lancelot. <laughs> yeah. I'm not exactly a fan of Lancelot. He kind of wrecked everything. Aren't there like five different Lancelots? Oh, yeah. There's at least more than one. I remember that much. Ugh. And then they all just kind of get conflated. Yeah. So, part of the journey that Jean and Gwenlian would go on is to find... Where did Bedivere actually th- throw the sword into which lake? <laughs> so we got some island hopping that um, I, I found some islands. Um, these are called phantom islands. So during like the early days of exploration, you would get maps of the Atlantic and there would be islands that the cartographer would put on there that were either reported to him or maybe he saw or something. That we now know do not exist. It's because they were turtles. Or they were eroded away, or they were a mirage, or it was just a rumor. Or they were turtles. Or they were turtles. (laughs) So some of the uh, places I picked out were uh, St. Brendan's Island. So St. Brendan was an Irish monk who supposedly made a journey to North America before the Vikings did. Back in, I want to say, like, the 600s or 700s, somewhere along there. Um, he might have seen an eruption of uh, one of the volcanoes on Iceland um, from a distance. Oh, cool. Yeah. There's the island of Leoness. So that's where Tristan from Tristan and Isolde is from. Okay. And um, it supposedly sunk into the ocean. So scholars think that that's kind of like a memory of when uh, water levels were rising or when the sea levels were rising oh, at okay. one point. And that this might have been a low-lying land that got swallowed up at some point. Um, it, I think it's supposed to be somewhere near Cornwall. and then The, the, the mall? No. Okay. And then there's uh, Is or Vidis, um, Cerdis. It's from Breton mythology. Uh, This was actually a city that was sunk because either the people got corrupt or the princess of the city got corrupted. It's weird. I learned about it from reading a summary of The King in Yellow. Huh. Because it showed up in that story. And I'm like, hey, 
Maybe we can get some, like, weird cosmic horror thing going on there. Yeah, because the Fae do like to dabble in that. Yeah! And, like, I did, I once did a paper on banshees for a class in university. Yeah. And, like, normally they're considered part of the Fae because, literally, banshee is, like... Woman fairy. Yeah, pretty much. But there's some documents saying, like, no, they're not even fairies. We don't know what they are. Ooh. They're not ghosts. They're not fairies. They're not owls. <laughs> Which is likely the impetus, because you get screech owls. Yeah, yeah, I think screech owls are a thing over in Ireland. Oh yeah, they are. I saw, yeah. a, I saw a video, and it's like, it's this tiny little ball of fluff, and it's just like, <laughs> laying like a baby in the, <laughs> in the arms of the caretaker, and then like looks at the camera, and it just goes, <gasps> <laughs> Like a human baby! <laughs> like, like a metal shriek. <laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah. The city of Is would be a great place to have something really weird going on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you would visualize it, but it's one of those, like, you know this place is creepier like, than Like, it's a, it's a castle or it's a city that looks fine, and then you step in and it's like, oh, this is Eshertown. Yeah. <laughs> this is straight from Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, uh, straight from Shinogami Tensei is if you uh, wander through the woods and then you take a corner and all of a sudden you find yourself in World War II. Okay. So I guess like any location from Berserk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also from the first book, uh, Maeve and her companions go to an underwater city populated by Selkies and Merfolk. And I'm yes. like, yes. God, yes. yes. More Selkie content. Yes. Out of all of like the animal shape-shifting... Fae folk out there, Selkies do not get enough love. And also seals are adorable. They're sea dogs. <laughs> Have you ever seen the video of the seal that gets help pranking at one of its trainers? Yes. <laughs> oh. Have you ever seen the seal vine? Or the probably it's the sea lion vine. I haven't seen that one. It's it's just like someone's recording a seal and it's like looking at them, it's like quick jump cuts, like looking at them, and then it's like shaking his head back and forth and it's doing big panting and then the person recording says speak and it goes <laughs> yeah they are loud yeah and very big oh yeah um ryan and i went kayaking with our parents one time when we were living out in bc into um couch and bay and there was a bunch of sea lions just hanging around these rocks and like we paddle up and then we're like holy crap they're huge yeah <laughs> like you see a picture of a leopard seal Doing what leopard seals do best, and like, oh, this is a D and D monster. Yeah, <laughs> and I love them; they're adorable. <laughs> I'll give him a big hug, and he's gonna eat my face. Yeah, I am just one little cod to him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the big thing that I wanted to do was really pull from a lot of actual Celtic mythology and lore. Nice. Oh, the other thing that really pulls heavily from Celtic mythology and lore. Durara with the Dullahan. Right. Yes. And Kelty. And Kelty, yes. Uh wasn't her name like Kelty Sorelson? Like this weird like whatever. Yeah. I've only seen like the first four episodes of the <laughs> The most I know about it is like all the permutations of the ending theme with everyone stacked on a tower. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. People like... don't do this enough anymore. People should tell us more. Yeah. Stack your OCs. Yes. Put your OCs in a tower like Jenga. Well, I was also thinking, like, the Dullahan is a really cool monster to have in your thing. It is a very cool monster. Hang on, I gotta tweet at Christina before I forget this now. Okay. <laughs> 
So just before you got here, I also learned that there is a name for what Jean has with her whole being able to see stuff. It's okay. called uh, Imbes Foronsnay. Some You take a crack. I think he got it. Okay. Imbus for Rosnai. Yeah. I mean, that's the best we got with sounding it out. Yeah. But I, th- I and don't. And there's no pronunciation guide, and Irish is weird. I definitely mentioned it before that the Irish leaned into their, or the, yeah, Irish and Gaelic languages leaned into their spelling just despite the English. Yeah. And they were right. <laughs> they were right to do so. Yeah. The Irish language, from what I understand, is what happens when a language evolves, but the writing system doesn't. So, like, imagine if, like, we're talking how we are, how we're talking right now, but we're writing as if we're writing like Geoffrey Chaucer. Huh. Yeah. You're the English major, so you probably know all about the Canterbury Tales. No, I zoned out during them. Oh, okay. Listen, if it wasn't about shoving a hot poker up someone's ass, then I wasn't interested. Oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> shoving a poker a hot poker up someone's ass were you like reading stuff about the death of like Edward II no that was one of the Canterbury Tales okay they probably got it from the death of Edward II because that's apparently how he died there was uh, I can't remember if the blacksmith's wife was cheating with, I think the blacksmith's wife was cheating with someone no the priest's wife was cheating with the blacksmith and then the priest found out and so he was like he goes up and he's like puts his butt against a hole in the wall and he's like or no she's like tell him listen I still love you and to prove it put your butt up against the wall and I'll kiss it and he goes okay this sounds reasonable and he does so and the blacksmith shoves a hot poker up it and then they're like and he had a funny walk for the rest of his days (laughs) so I'm descended from Jeffrey Chaucer as it turns out you ever shove a hot poker up someone's butthole no but there's a few people who deserve it true so anyway, the Imbes Foransnai, again, we're really sorry to anybody out there who miraculously does know Irish. I mean, it wouldn't be that much of a miracle. Irish people are real. I know, I know. It's just, have we gotten any downloads from Ireland? That's true. Maybe this will be the start. Maybe this will be the first episode. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the Imbes Foransnai... It- Ferozni is a gift of clairvoyance or visionary ability practiced by the gifted poets of ancient Ireland. And because in the original books, Jean eventually becomes a writer in her own right, I'm like, oh, perfect. So she's the scribe. She's the bard of the group. Nice. Yes, because everybody needs a bard. And actually in like early medieval times, they took this position very seriously because they helped transmit a lot of important knowledge to people. There's a reason why there is a Viking god of skulls, Bragi, and why chiefs would often bring their own skulls with them. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta make sure people know this shit. Yes. Plus it can be a plot point that she's able to, like, sing the history of the world and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. That's what they do for most of their travels. And yes, I am going to make this way more queer as fuck. Yes. I don't think we've mentioned any Bicons of the Week in a while, but... Jean is definitely here. Yes. If not just lesbian. Yeah, like, in canon she does have a a beau, Jim, but I'm like, Jim barely appeared. We don't care about Jim. Yeah. And, yeah, Gwenlian was supposed to be, like, the high princess who marries the future high king of Avalon, but I'm like, Dermot was kind of boring, too. 
So Gwenlian can be bi and Jean can be a lesbian. Yes. And this is a more accepting world than, I guess, 1940s Newfoundland, so... Oh yeah, the Fae don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> the Fae will do whatever they fancy. Yes. I would, I would argue the Fae don't give even enough of a shit. <laughs> they could stand to give a few more shits. <laughs> yes! I'm pretty sure there is a Fae person out there who would have boned Cthulhu and I'd be concerned. Cthulhu is Fae. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, start with the fact that underground gods and mythical creatures are considered chthonic. Yes. And just roll from there. Yeah. And I know, I know, I know, uh, like... Lovecraft probably took inspiration from the word and not the other way around, but how do you know? How do you know that Cthulhu didn't just project the entirety of the mythos into Lovecraft's head? Yeah. That would actually make quite a bit of sense as to why he was such a terrible, awful person who died of stomach cancer. Apparently his letters went from writing horrible racist shit to his main correspondent to, Oh God, I am in constant pain! Oh yeah, it would be it'd be a nice filler episode even. Like I think if we lean too hard into it, we might kinda lose the thread of what the show's yeah. supposed to be. But it'd be an interesting thriller episode if they like land on this aisle and they're like, What's going on? And then someone's like, Listen, there are things that even the Fae don't know, and if that's not a red flag, then I can't help you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then we kind of like roll through character story points, uh MacGuffins from Celtic and Irish mythology. Celtic mythology at large, because we are talking about, like, Ireland, Wales, the Isle of Man, Scotland, Breton, uh, Brittany, and Galicia in Spain. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, a bunch of Celtic people settled in northern Spain. You know that tip just above Portugal? Yeah. Yeah. That's a Celtic region. I definitely know that area. You know how good I am at geography. <laughs> <laughs> Person who thought that Kamchatka was next to the Ukraine, next to the Pripyat marshes. Listen, if you take a, an Earth globe and you just roll it down the hallway, everything's close together. It's because of the centrifugal force. In the grand scope of the universe. Okay, we are a minuscule blue marble. All things considered, like 20, what was it? Like 24 of us can fit into Jupiter? 24 of this planet or something? Oh, oh, way more than that. Okay. Uh, how many times, <laughs> now that I am down, how many times can Earth fit into Jupiter? Just once, because then we die. <laughs> oh yeah, I am very off. 1300 Earths! Y'all! Did you hear that the red storm is, like, dissipating? Oh. Yeah. Sun's going on. It finally finished. <laughs> it's been going on for hundreds of years. It's like, oh, okay, I'm running out of steam. <laughs> yeah, so apparently Jupiter is also the only thing keeping all the asteroids from hitting us all, all the time. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> Space is great. You know what, Jupiter, girl, you need a rest. Yes. Take a break. Put on a face mask. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Some, something about the, actually on topic. Um, so is each season basically just going to be a fetch quest to get all the items? Um. Which I don't mind. Yeah. It has a very Jackie Chan Adventures vibe to it. Yeah. You know what? Let's just keep this simple because like I don't, as I said, I want to buck a lot of 
um, current isekai trends because, like, do most of them actually have a plot? Not really. I'm... The plot is usually get home. Yeah. And then at the end you decide, is it worth it to go home? Or do I fall in love with one of the 18 girls that have fallen in love with me here? Or do I take one of them with me? Or do, do I go home and then I just so happens that my childhood friend looks just like one of the girls? Oh, God. It's always about getting his dick wet. Yeah. Yeah, no, Jean stays in Anlin and learns more about the mysteries and becomes a very important bard. Yes. And then she goes home and she writes the books. Yeah. And then, like, the last episode is, like, little Maeve. She's like, Grandma, Grandma, tell me your stories. <laughs> yes. And then, and then like, ten years down the road, we do uh, Hidden World Crystal. <laughs> and it follows Maeve's adventures. <laughs> and she is a morose drama, drama kid. Yes. And then we can introduce the Morrigan. Yes. She's like, I like this girl. Yes. And she's like, okay, creepy goth lady. We are so similar. We love all the same things. Blood. <laughs> war. Cows. <laughs> and she's always speaking in the third person because she is, in fact, triple person. Yeah. Hey, if you're going to wander into the fate realms, uh, again, don't eat any of the food. You don't know where it came from. Yeah, but uh, this pie, it looks so good. Ah, what a fun and wacky Rube Goldberg sequence where one of us messed up the plan, but we still captured the crabby creature of Creepy Crag. And now it's time to reveal who's behind the mask. Kids Kids and their their dog. dog! The Scooby-Doo Movie Review and Recap Podcast? Oh yeah, the show where I, your Hanna-Barbera talking animal Cassidy, and you, Lava, watch a Scooby-Doo movie once a month and talk about it. This was all part of its clever ploy to let people know that it can be found on Twitter, at Kids and Their Dog, or wherever you download podcasts. Ah, and they would have gotten away with it too. If it weren't for us meddling kids. (laughs) So... After six months of trying to get you out of Hades. Listen, the berries look so good. You could even say they were tantalizing. But I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found at lindsaym476, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Where, Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart, and you can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and they're pronounced Maiden McClana! <laughs> Um, and you can find this podcast on Instagram at not if I reboot you first, all one word. The hashtag is N-I-I-R-Y-F, and it is pronounced Yegodothin. It's pronounced Finn McCool. <laughs> we also have a Patreon that you can reach at uh, patreon.com slash not if I reboot you first with a plethora of bonuses that you can get if you're willing to donate us. Uh, for a dollar a month, you get to get a shout out from us every week so thank you charlie thanks charlie we don't have anyone else yet but that's fine ryan pay us
And if you were listening, you'll notice that we have some new theme music, and it's by our friend Sean Clake. So thank you, Sean, for that awesome new theme music that we've got. Thank you, Sean. You're a doll! And as always, our cover art is by Alex, a.k.a. Pachu, and her work can be found at www.ptchew.com. So, Lindsay, do you want a hint for what I'm doing next week? Yes, I would, Tanner. Well, you know what? The world could always use more heroes. But you know what else it could use? What? Could really use a reboot of fucking Overwatch. Yes! So we're gonna get to that next week. But not if we reboot you first. <laughs> <laughs>